Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, a little bit of a note. As we draw closer and closer to the imminent return of Christ, by the way, I have no idea when Jesus is going to show up. Um, you know, I, I always like to say that uh, Jesus is going to show up on a Thursday because no one's expecting him on a Thursday. So, you know, that, if I had to wager, I would pick a Thursday. But uh, I have no idea when he's coming, but I do know what the scriptures teach. And that is, is that there is a great apostasy that occurs before the return of Christ. Uh, it's known as the great rebellion, the great apostasy against Jesus. And it takes place within the visible church. In fact, the apostle Paul, you'll see this shortly uh, in one of his epistles, 1 Timothy, uh, says that in the last days, people would follow doctrines of demons. Now, what, what does a doctrine of demons look like? Well, I would note that a good place to start would be like the ancient Gnostic mystery religions. Uh, so Gnosticism, you know, it, this takes on many different forms, uh, like from Gnostic initiatic societies, you can find Gnostic mysticism uh, in places like Freemasonry, uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, you know, uh, initiatic societies like that. You can also find it overtly in the New Age, people who teach the importance of reading about uh, the, uh, reading the Zohar or the Kabbalah or who worship angels like Metatron and things like this, uh, all of that, the, the ancient mystery religions, the Bible actually specifically says what the origin of those religions is. And it's not a good one. It's not a good origin, but we'll, we'll cover that. So uh, we're going to, let me do this. Let me, let me whirl up my desktop. Uh, this is my homage to William Eggleston. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird photo. I, I know, but uh, you know, if you know the work of William Eggleston, then you'll know exactly what this is supposed to be an homage to. But uh, let me whirl up my uh, web browser. And we're going to be listening to a fellow by the name of Justin Paul Abraham. And this is one of the weirdest, weirdest videos I have ever seen. And the things he's saying is just, it, 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 on its surface, just sounds wackerdoodle. Like, what is this? But if you know your Gnostic initiatic societies and your Gnostic mysticism and their new age, you know exactly what this is. This is from the Zohar. This is from Kabbalah. This is not good. This is straight out idolatry. So uh, let's let's listen in. Um, I, I don't even know if I can properly give you a warning for for what it is that you are about to see. Uh, bendy straws, duct tape, you know, things like this, uh, tinfoil pyramid hats. These all could probably um, uh, at least deflect some of the uh, the the spiritual gamma radiation that will be coming from this video. But uh, yeah, hang on to your hats. Here we go. It's good to see you all. Now, I want you to know that that's the actual video. He did this on a Zoom call, and th th there are a ton of people around the globe who, who have joined Justin Paul Abraham for his teaching on mastery over creation. Let's get into some stuff. So tonight we're doing a massive topic. You're going to get your minds blown at some point because we know so little about this topic and the door's in the floor. So we're going to go lower tonight and we're going to say there's no experts on this call. This Because if there were, 
we would totally be already doing all this stuff. So we... If there were experts, we'd totally already be doing this. What stuff? The way we engage anything in the spirit is by the, the little dot of God's name, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. And the... <laughs> okay, so yeah, that is God's name. That's known as the Tetragrammaton. But what, what do you mean that we do things by the little dots in his name, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey? What do you mean by that? Jews have a saying that in the little, there is much. When we become small, we have the capacity for a much bigger world. The meek inherit the earth. So we want to come meek into tonight. If we put all the information on this call together, we would still only know a dot. There is so much to know about how animals function, trees function, weather patterns, elemental spirits, the spirits in the seas, the beings in the seas. You know, most of the planet is seas. And we've done lots of weather miracles by governing the sea. But I never hear Christians talk about governing the seas. They, they don't talk about these things. And when we try to... Why should Christians be talking about governing the seas? You know, if, if I'm... Yeah, when I was growing up, um, what's the best tuna, chicken of the sea? Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, so why should I... What do you mean by govern the seas? And why aren't Christians talking about governing the seas? Which biblical text can I go to in order to learn about the importance of, quote, governing the seas. To do a weather miracle in Australia, the Lord took us into the Indian Dipole, which is in the Indian Ocean, and it, it could be positive or negative, and the Lord said, reset it to neutral. So we did that. <laughs> so this guy sounds like, you know, a respectable version of, like, Cat Kerr. You know, they went into the Indian Dipole, and, they, and God told them to reset it. Really? Did the millibars fall too? And within a few days, rains came in Australia. We broke the, the drought and we broke a six-year cycle of wet. So he's claiming that he's the one responsible for breaking the drought in Australia. Uh -huh. By going into the ocean. We went into the ocean to do it. Who'd even thought of such things? They don't teach you this in Sunday church, that you can go in the ocean and sit in the throne called the engine dipole and change the weather pan. Sit in the throne called the engine dipole. They don't teach this in church, Sunday church. Right. You know why? Because it's not in the Bible. For Australia. But these are the things God wants to teach us. He's really, God wants to teach us this. Then why is it in the scriptures? He totally wants to talk about stuff that's totally outside of the normal church service. But I believe there's a time coming where we'll move from church services to being the ecclesia. We're going to move from church services to being the ecclesia. You see, God didn't call the ecclesia to, you know, to do church services and stuff. What is this? Um, I believe Adam and Eve could govern the whole earth themselves. And I think all creation's grown for us to grow bigger. Now, I was on a call this week and I was explaining to them that if you leave earth and this looks smaller and you realize there's nothing that's too difficult. We can govern economics. We can govern, govern space. We can govern time. We can really do dynamic changes in the earth. We can govern space and time. We'll get on with it. Start governing it. This is the age where the Ecclesia have to learn to do it. We uh, so we, we need to learn how to do it. Why? Because Justin said so. We have to learn to be the Ecclesia. We are, Ecclesia means, ek means called out. So ek. Uh -huh. Ek means out. Ek. Uh, kaleo means to call. And kaleo, the other word, means to have a voice and a name. No, no, you know, no, it means to call. So you are called out. To have a voice and a name and to function as a government. You 
No. Well, the government of God. So when you hear prophets saying, it's going to be an earthquake in America. I heard that recently. And America is going to split in half. Or you hear people prophesy these things. That is actually an invitation to govern it. Because we already... <laughs> so let me see if I have this straight. Patricia King has uh, made a false prophecy. And when she makes that false prophecy, that's an invitation from God to come in and govern it. Where is he getting this? Because none of this is in the Bible. I, it, either the guy is Looney Tunes or he's tapped into something really, really evil. already know what God's thoughts are. It says, for I, you know the thoughts I think towards you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Satan came to kill, steal, destroy. I came, John 10, 10, that you might enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. So when we get a word. No, I came that you might have life and life to the full. The question is, what does that mean? Word from Zion that something's going down. That doesn't mean we prophesy it and wait for it to happen. <laughs> uh, demonic cackle, I think there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, options here are getting really low. Um, he's clearly not a sound biblical exegete. Like, nothing close to it. So, either he's a really, really, really interesting liar. You know, he knows what he's saying is just bogus and he's lying. Um, he's not all there, you know? Um, or he's um, demonically influenced or maybe some combination thereof. But, uh, wow. <laughs> so, we're meant to learn to govern what we've heard from heaven. Really, where in scripture does it say I need to learn how to govern what we've heard from heaven? Whenever I hear something from heaven, like about an economy or a storm, and the Lord clicks it on my radar, or about a person or a war or something, I know that's the Lord saying, come and join the conversation with me. How do you know that? There's no biblical text that says any of this nonsense. Come and engage the, the saints. Come and engage the angels. Let's govern together. So, Come and engage the angels and let's govern together says no biblical text anywhere. So we're learning to do it. I've actually got hundreds of court cases that we've won in the spirit covering all. Yeah, oh, you've won hundreds of court cases in the spirit. You must be like a spiritual award winning, uh, you know, spiritual attorney type. Again, where in scripture does it say about filing lawsuits in the courts of heaven? Nowhere. All sorts of issues. But imagine all of us learning to engage like this because Imagine, just imagine. Wow, what a what, what this is like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, part two. Animals are waiting for it. I mean, animals are waiting for what? Adam was given the government of the seas. Who knows how to govern fish? <laughs> <laughs> they don't do prophecy schools on governing fish, do they? <laughs> and no prophecy school is worth anything. It's all simony. Or sharks, or jellyfish, or the deep. But this is the stuff God wants to talk about because he's... Uh, really, if God wanted to talk about that, why isn't it in the Bible? He's given us the deep. He's given us the birds of the air. He's given us the forest and ecosystem of the world. Woo! Woo-hoo! So far, so good? No. What you're saying is complete Looney Tunes nonsense. Nothing like this is taught in the scriptures anywhere. Yeah. You're starting to feel a bit more like a nature mystic already. <laughs> a nature mystic? A what? <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. 
if you're starting to feel a bit stretched, let the stretching happen. Because my, my goal is to stretch you so that you don't fit back into the small size. You're a little bit bigger each time and you dream bigger. Don't see this as a list of doo-doos. Yeah, this, this is a bunch of doo-doo for sure. This is not a doo-doo list. This is Oh, yeah, this is nothing but doo-doo. an invitation into perichoresis, which is the trinity dancing and playing with wisdom. Perichoresis. The, the trinity dancing with Sophia. Wisdom. That... Hang on a second here. You smell that? Yeah, that's sulfur. Um, that, that's, that's pagan Gnosticism right there. You, what have you been reading? You've been, in, you've been invited to learn the dance of the oceans. You've been invited to learn the dance of the trees. And I've got lots of stories of trees responding, oceans responding, loads of them, loads of them. So I'm going to do more sessions on this. This is session one. And today I'm going to put a theological basis for where we're going. But I just want to read a quote that I post on Facebook today. Yeah, go ahead. Isaiah saw lions will live together with lambs. <laughs> People will live extra long lives. <laughs> <laughs> right the lion will lay down with the lamb uh -huh. snakes will no longer harm us right when is that by the way <laughs> all right let's let's do a little bit of work uh, in fact let me let me show you this so um i didn't pull this text up yet so what we're gonna do is i'll show you that if you're if you're looking for a biblical text and you don't have a good Bible software. So I use Accordance when I'm teaching, and I use Logos when I'm reading and preparing. So I, I have both, but Accordance Bible is the, is the stuff that I use. But let's say that you, you didn't have that. So what we're gonna do is we're, we're gonna go to Google, and uh, I'm just I, when I'm doing a Bible search, you'll find Google is a really good way to search for biblical text if you can't remember where they're at. So we're going to type in the word Bible, and we're going to look for, specifically, I want to look for a lion lay down with the lamb. All right? So that's what he quoted, but he didn't give me a text. So the lion lays down with the lamb, Isaiah 11. Okay, let's take a look at Isaiah 11 then in here, and I'll pull this up, and we will go to Isaiah 11. The righteous reign of the branch. Okay, let's see. All right, so there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch from its roots shall bear fruit. Hmm, stump of Jesse, that's talking about Jesus, right? And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. His delight shall be in the fear of Yahweh, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Judgment day, right? Uh -huh, the meek shall inherit the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, faithfulness the belt of his loins. This is describing Christ's return in judgment on the day when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead. Okay, Then, after Christ does that, after the day of judgment, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, 
and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. This portion of Isaiah references Jesus's return, his judgment, and then in the aftermath when Jesus creates a new heavens and a new earth. In the new earth, the food chain as we know it, gone. Okay, gone. And, you know, and Isaiah picks up on these themes several times uh, in his uh, prophecy. Uh, And I'm I'm trying to think what would be uh, the year of the Lord's favor. Nah, that's not really what I'm looking for. But let's see here. 64, 65. Ah, here it is. Isaiah 65. Check this out. For behold, God says, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping, the cry of distress. No more shall there be in an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who doesn't fill out his days. Yeah, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people. My chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of Yahweh and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountains, says Yahweh. Beautiful picture, prophetic picture of the new earth. And that's what we have in Isaiah 11, a picture of the new earth after the judgment of Christ. But uh, Justin here is, um, uh, watch what he does with this. And um, even children will govern creation. This is Papa's big change. It's here and it's coming. The next 150 years are going to be beyond anything we've seen in history. The next 150 years, where children are going to govern animals. No. Christ comes first. Read all of Isaiah 11, please. It's a totally different type of world order emerges. A world based on harmony, union, and love. A world where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, which is his goodness, covers the earth like waters on the seas, saturating everything everywhere. That is my end time prophecy for you guys. Okay. If you. And it's false because it contradicts what the scripture says. Well, looking for an anti prophecy, I just gave you one. It's from Isaiah. No, yeah, yeah, that's not talking about things going down in the next 150 years. That's talking about after Jesus returns. Now, when I was taken to heaven in 2010 to meet. So, so he was taken to heaven in 2010. Let me back this up because I want you to hear the details. Everything, everywhere. That is my end time prophecy for you guys. Okay. If you are looking for an anti prophecy, I just gave you one. It's from Isaiah. Now, when I was taken to heaven in 2010 to meet Enoch, Enoch said to me, and he showed me that Isaiah's scroll is open before the Lord. And he So you, you met with Enoch. Mm-hmm. He said this. This is roughly what he said. He said, all of heaven is conspiring to fulfill Isaiah's scroll. Really? God's going to con- fulfill it. 
God is the one who fulfills his words. In Isaiah's scroll, a massive keys for this generation. And I just read some of it. The line will lie down with the lamb and all these beautiful verses need to be fulfilled. fulfilled. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there we go again with that demonic laugh. <laughs> it's like the devil is just mocking people who are watching this. Okay, so I'm just going to do some slides now for a minute. And I hope you guys are tracking with me so far. All good? What you're saying isn't biblical. Good creation in us. So, Rachel, you'll have to tell me if this works. Yeah. Can you see that, honey? Yeah, that's it. We can see beautiful. it. Beautiful. I love this picture. What a beautiful... Animals are so cool. <laughs> Let's just get whacked off that dolphin right now. A lot of glory on that dolphin. So... There's a lot of glory on the dolphin. Uh-huh. You know, God created all of this beautiful life and, and it's all connected. So, this is what I want to talk about is, is our role with it, okay? So... We know that the Trinity. Of that doesn't look new age at all, does it? Have always been happy in themselves. Now, theologians call this perichoresis, the great dance. And that's what mystics call it. And I want to read a quote from Baxter Kruger. It says, before time dawned and space was called to be, before the heavens were stretched out and filled with a sea of stars, before the earth was summoned and filled with people and life and endless beauty, before there was anything, there was the Father, Son and Spirit and the great dance. So theologians say that the Big Bang, there may be many Big Bangs, by the way. I think they partied too hard and probably created lots of Big Bangs. Uh, that's what some... God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit partied too hard? What? Physicists believe now in multi-universe theory. Um, out of their joy and their overflow in life, they created. They created. Can you still see it, honey? Here we go. So... Yeah, better sheet. So the Bible starts with better sheet. Wonderful word. Say that, guys. Better sheet. <laughs> they spell better sheet. What about? That's it wrong on that slide. I wouldn't say it like that. But you could get you in trouble. Better sheet. <laughs> in the beginning. So the universe starts with in. It starts with bait, which is the second letter, B. It starts with B because God is Aleph and God created the house. And it means house. All right. Note what he's doing here. He's now trying to pour into the Hebrew alphabet mystical encoded secret messages. And so Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew of the Hebrew alphabet. Baith is the second letter. And so he's trying to create a mystical meaning due to the fact that the Bible doesn't begin with a word that begins with the word Al, a letter Aleph, but it begins with the word Baith, in, Beh, Behreshit. It means house, it's really beautiful. No, be yeah. so inside of God, Yahweh, creation was formed. Now, what the Jews teach is that God had to withdraw some of his glory to allow space for creation. Where do they teach that? Kabbalah? Zohar? Where do they teach that? They call this the great contraction. Because basically, if God hadn't contracted some of his nature, there would be no creation because he filled everything. So Yahweh started to create space within himself. This is why Paul says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And this is also why anybody that says God isn't in Hades, God isn't in Sheol, is, is not teaching correct theology because everything's in him. Everything's sustained by him. He fills it all. Okay. So far, so good, Rach. Can you see that? Yep. can see it. It's all good. Beautiful. Now, there may be more than one creation. My friend Nancy Cohen believes there's been six creations and we're forming the seventh, which is completion. Um, Ian Clayton believes we're entering into the third creation. Uh, 
And who are these people? Where are their books in the Bible? They're not. Um, the Lord's shown me two creations, so I do believe we're entering. I don't believe a word of that. The third. That resonates for me. This is what that circle looks like. It's a multidimensional world. This is actually um, an image done by scientists of um, the theory of there being multiple levels of dimensions of existence. Wheels within wheels. We exist within wheels within wheels, and all of it's on, a, on an atomic quantum level, multidimensional. Another way of imagining it is like this, that the Lord made pockets of universes or what we call heavenly places. So he made the Garden of Eden. Where are you getting this? Because this ain't in the scripture. He made the throne, he made Mount Zion, he made above the heavens, he made the universe, he made planets, stars, galaxies, systems. And there are multiple levels of dimensions that exist all interfacing. And all of it is connected to us. All of it is connected to our government. So God created this from being happy. Uh, to read Baxter again, God is essentially and eternally very happy. Wh who's Baxter? Which book of the Bible did he write? The Father, Son, and Spirit live in conversation, in fellowship, a free flow in togetherness and sharing and delight. A great dance of shared life that is full and rich and passionate. This is just teeming with Gnostic buzzwords. Creative and good and beautiful. So what did the Lord say when he created it? He said, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> so the creation is good. So we have to come from the perspective that it's really, really good. Now, the word bait or the letter bait, which starts better sheet, it means in family or house. So God always wanted family. God always wanted a house. Atalo Mavina Vrit. You don't you don't know Hebrew, dude. You do not understand it at all. Okay. Yeah, so using the word, uh, the letter bait, and then saying that it means house or family or in, bait means in. Uh, Beth means house, okay? Totally different. That's a word. God always wanted us to be in. We're always in. We've always been in. You're not rightly handling the, the Hebrew here. You're taking a single letter and pouring meaning into it that is not found in any of the words of the Bible, sir. Every being is in him living in him, moving in him. Now, what's interesting about the letter bait here, if you can look at that picture, see that one side is not finished. Now, what the Jews teach on this is that God designed the universe unfinished because it's our role to bring completion. This is called Tikkun Olam, where we heal creation and we build this additional wall. So God created it unfinished with a desire for inclusion. So the goal of the Trinity is inclusion, that you're included in finishing what he has started co revealing, co-creating. I'm a creature, I don't create. So all these stars and galaxies were created in a way that needs suns, it needs government, it needs love, because it's all about play, it's a dance, it's for joy. It's not a dark story, it's a beautiful story. Okay, now, how was Earth created? Earth was not created according to Jewish mysticism in the same way. According to what? I told you he's been imbibing on Kabbalah. That's where he got this from. As the other planets. The other planets that we know of were created by God speaking. So God spoke, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. But the earth came from the face of the deep. And the face of the deep, according to Hebrews, is not water. It's the same word as the spirit searches the abyss of God. So the earth was formed, get this, from the mysteries of Yahweh. The deep that the spirit was hovering over was not an earthy water planet. It was actually the mysteries of Yahweh's heart. Okay, now, 
Let's take a look at uh, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, tohu vabohu, and darkness was over the face of the tohom, over the deep, and the ruach Elohim was merakafet, was hovering over the face of the mayim, the waters. The text says that. What is he getting on about? This is really weird stuff. But we already know where it's coming from, Jewish mysticism. This is Kabbalah. And out of the mysteries of his heart, he pulled forth the earth and created the earth. Then from the earth, which is the mysteries of God revealed, is the gate of heaven, a multidimensional world, he created Aleph Dam, which means God's blood. So our role in creation is very, very important. We are the nexus point or connection point between the un- invisible God, Einstein, and the created world. So we are Jacob's ladder, the bridge of worlds. So we're made by... No, Jesus is Jacob's ladder. By all the realms. We're made in all the realms. So we have the breath of Yahweh. We're the only beings that Genesis says God made with his breath. But we're also made from the earth. So we have a relationship connected to the mysteries of God and this planet. That's why God wants... He- mysteries of God. This guy's a full Gnostic. on earth. So our DNA, according to Jewish thinking, is made up of all the universe. Now, this is, this is matched by science. Um, when Genesis says, let us make man in our image, the Jews teach that our image is all of the universe put a piece of itself in us. Okay, no, he keeps going to Jewish mystics. Now, here's where we're going to uh, do a little bit of biblical work here. And we've got to do it because when we talk about the ancient mystery religions, of which Kabbalah is like part of, okay? So think of it this way. Kabbalah is Jewish Gnostic mysticism, and, um, and you know, this goes along with the Zohar, and this is all connected all the way back to the ancient Egyptian mystery religions. This is where Gnosticism comes from. And the idea here is that they have secret knowledge, you know, and, th- and they have an esoteric interpretation of the scriptures, and that's what we've been listening to, a flat-out esoteric interpretation of the scriptures, and that esoteric interpretation actually contradicts the words themselves of scripture. We've noted that. But we're going to note something here. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, now the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. We're, We're there. We're there. Because if you're teaching Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, in the context of teaching Christians or discipling Christians, this is the doctrines of demons. Now, if you really want to you know, kind of boil it all down, think of, if you were to think of like the ancient religions of the world, um, you know, the, the worship of Baal, Asherah, Molech, this is also going to include Osiris and Isis and Horus and, uh, and Persephone and Demeter. Yeah the, the, yeah, the mysteries of Demeter are also in play here. They're all kind of interconnected. In the ancient pagan world, all of these mystery religions revolved around fertility, okay? Um, initi- initiatic uh, initiatic um, mysteries that had to do with death 
and coming back to life and and things like this. Uh, Not in the resurrection of Jesus kind of way, but in the kind of way where, you know, where the earth dies at fall and it goes dormant in the winter and then rises from the dead in spring and in talking about fertility and things like this. Uh, And always at the core of these Gnostic mystery religions is is a belief that you can be reunited with deity and in fact you are deity. You know, it's all about this latent uh, deity that you have in you that's underdeveloped and that, that, uh, and that others are trying to keep you from achieving. Mm-hmm. The, the, scripture explains where those religions come from. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 says this, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, which is what this is. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? It is. Uh, the bread that we break, is it not a participation of the, in the body of Christ? It is. So because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now consider the people of Israel, and not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. So what would I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Mm -hmm. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than him? Yeah. So the source of all the ancient religions, all the pagan religions, and today's esoteric mystery religions, including Kabbalah and the Zohar and things like this, it's demons. Yeah. And so, in fact, even the Old Testament makes this clear. Deuteronomy 32, starting verse 15, says this, But uh, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. Uh, He grew fat, stout, and sleek. And then he forsook God, who made him, and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. Uh, They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the truth who gave the God who gave you birth. Mm -hmm. Even in Deuteronomy 32, we see that what pagans sacrificed to their idols, in fact, the demonic is what was behind it. Uh, Psalm 106 says it this way, starting at verse 34. Uh, they did not destroy the peoples as Yahweh commanded them, talking about the children of Israel coming into the, into the promised land, not following through on getting rid of the pagans. They mixed with the nations and learned to do so as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare for them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you don't want to get involved in any of this stuff. And when you hear somebody like Justin, like we've been hearing going on about Jewish mysticism and stuff like that, flee, flee. Uh, Colossians 2 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. This is what we're talking about here. And not according to Christ. 
Uh, then in verse 20, it goes on to say, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings? These indeed have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, the severity of the body, but they're of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you don't want to get caught up in this stuff. All Everything that uh, this guy is going on about is absolutely forbidden in Scripture. And this Gnostic paganism, this Gnostic mysticism that he's promoting, uh, that's this is all what the ancient world was into. And God said that its source was the demonic. So we can see then in Paul's prophecy in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, that in the last days people would be talking would be would abandon the truth and teach doctrines of demons. This is a prime example of it. Aside from being Looney Tunes, its source is actually the demonic. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <music>